And before we do that, I just want to take a moment to read the Easter story with you. Uh, now, of course, the Easter story is held in each one of the Gospels. Each one of the Gospels tells the story of Jesus, but it also then tells about the arrest, about the beating and the flogging of Jesus, and then about the death of Jesus, and then his resurrection. And I just want you to hear this story as kind of the uh, setting for what we're going to be studying today. So from, I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of Matthew, and I'm going to be reading uh, just, uh, just about 10 verses, Matthew Chapter 28, verse 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. And there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. And the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he's risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples, and suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, they clasped his feet, and they worshipped him, and then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. More than a story, the resurrection and the life. Hey, I want to invite you to grab that song sheet, if you will, that's sitting right there in your, uh, in your worship guide. Now, today, we're going to be, uh, I'm going to be celebrating one of the greatest hymns, if not the greatest hymn, of the church and of Christianity. And we're, we're not only going to celebrate it, we're going to sing about it, but I'm going to need your help, if you will. Um, so everybody's going to need a pen. I'm going to be asking you to underline some stuff and to write some stuff. If you have a child... Or, or a young person sitting right next to you, this would be a great chance for you to actually include them and maybe even help them as I'm trying to um, tell them to write things down and, and help them engage as well. Now, Amazing Grace is the hymn that I want to celebrate with you today. But before I do that, let me just take a moment. Um, Harvest Point, uh, let me, if, if this is your first time in our church, I want to real quickly tell you, I know, I know this might be uh, new to you, but it's new to everybody. We've only been in this building for about six weeks. We're super excited, but our church is 14 years old. We celebrated our birthday um, on Palm Sunday last weekend, so that was a great weekend together. Um, it's an exciting place. Um, I would tell you this, the greatest thing about this body of Christ is the people that God has brought together and how they love one another. And um, you might be, uh, if you're new here, first of all, I just want to say thank you for being here. We're so honored that you're here. Um, another thing that I'd love to say to you, if, if these people kind of look excited, they are. It's not, just, it's not just Easter, it's every Sunday, and that's a cool thing. We're excited that we get to be able to worship and serve the Lord together. And if you don't have a church home, 
hey guys, this is a great one. This is a church I can honestly tell you, it's not about power, it's not about politics, it's just about Jesus. Matter of fact, you don't even hear us talk about our denomination very much. We, we just uh, talk about Jesus, and that's what we're all about. So, <laughs> how cool. Let's talk about Jesus. It's Easter, right? All right, let's do that. Amazing Grace. Now, you'll notice in that little song sheet, get that out there in front of you for a minute. Uh, you'll notice about Amazing Grace, it was written by John Newton. Now, we'll talk about John Newton, who that guy is in a few minutes, but but the first thing I want you to notice is that there are verses to Amazing Grace. Now, we, we've put four verses right there, and I bet every one of you almost have those verses memorized. You know, you know them by heart. Today, we're going to sing three of them. I'm going to focus in on three of them, but, but I, I just kind of want to speak to the young people for a minute. Um, notice what music looks like. Did you notice there's some lines everywhere? You know, sometimes we, when we don't even have a hymnal, we sing to the words up on the screen, sometimes we forget what music looked like, right? Notice also that on those verses, there's little numbers there. One, two, three, four, because I'm going to be referencing those. I'm going to ask you to look at that first verse or that fourth verse uh, with me. But um, here's, what, here's what I want you to know. Uh, this song was written in 1770. That was 242 years ago. 242 years, this song has become a staple of not just our lives, but of music around the world. Now, in today's Today's culture with, with songs that are here today and gone tomorrow, they're just little fads. I want you to think about the power of a song to last for 242 years. It's sung all around the world. It's sung by all nations of all people on all the continents, all the way around the world. And, and it's been sung by all kinds of people. I mean, Elvis sang it in Las Vegas, right? Uh, Willie Nelson sang it at the Grand Ole Opry. Uh, recently, even, even most recently, um, what's her name? Uh, the blonde-headed girl, uh, Carrie Underwood. You guys are ahead of me already. Carrie Underwood threw it in her song, right? Something about the water. This song has been sung by all kinds of people in all kinds of environments. And one of the cool things about this song and I bet you've experienced this, is this song is so cool that sometimes it can be in an orchestra, just a, I mean, it can be massively done, and it, it is beautiful, and yet it can also be done with a flute or a bagpipes, and it can bring you to tears, just a singular voice or an instrument in this song. It's just a powerful song, and, and, I, and I dare say that it's probably the number one song of all the Christian songs, and we could debate about that, but this song is sung by people all over the world. Now, if you ask a lyricist or, or a poet, what makes this song special? They would say different things. And one of the first things, got your pen ready, one of the first things I want to note that they'd say is that one of the things about the way that John Newton wrote this song was that it, it had a lyricism and a poeticism, but it also had kind of an everyday ordinariness to it. So underline six words, if you will, from, with me. The first thing I want to invite you to do is uh, look at that last verse, that fourth verse, and I want, to un I want to invite you to underline three words and, and underline the words when I get to them. It says, when we've been there, those next three words, underline those, 10,000 years. When we've been there, when we, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've, then underline these three words, we've no less days We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. Now, what is that verse all about? It's about heaven, right? But who in the history of humanity, who has, 
Who has with so few words, just six words, 10,000 years will no less days to sing his praise? Who's been able to just capture heaven in just a small way like that? So you see the poeticism of it? Isn't that beautiful? But then you also have the kind of ordinary, everydayness language in this. Look at verse 1. In verse 1 it says, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a, what's that word? A wretch. I know I'm that word. A wretch. Now, if you're a young person, you might go, what in the world is a wretch, you know? Um, And let me just kind of say it this way. They're they're not a very nice person, okay? A wretch is a person who hasn't been done done the nicest things. A wretch is, and it's it's not a song every day that makes it into our vocabulary that has, you know, the word wretch in it. I mean, I want you to think about that for a minute. Can you name another song that's got the word wretch, you know? And, and, and. They're normally, they're normally not in the top ten when a song is used that has the word wretch in it. What is a wretch? You really got to understand why he used that word wretch. Let's talk about who this guy is, John Newton, who wrote this song. Notice his name right up there atop, John Newton. Now, this is not Isaac Newton, the guy who did the gravity thing with the apple, right? Not Isaac, all right? Not Cam Newton. You know who Cam Newton is? Not Cam, playing for Auburn. Nope, 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 not Cam, right? This is not even Olivia Newton, John, not her either, okay? She didn't write this song either. This is John Newton. Now, John Newton was a ship captain. And maybe you know the story already, but John Newton was a guy who was hard up on money and needed a job. And what he could do and what he could do well was he, could, he was the captain of a ship. And so when the, a job became available for him to captain a ship that was going to be a part of the slave trade movement, he... He took the money. And so he was a part of watching humans be sold into slavery, treated horribly, terribly. He saw the worst of humanity, the worst way that people could ever be treated. He saw that, and, and in the process of that, quite frankly, for a long time in his life, was like, I'm okay with that. I'm getting paid for it, you know. I mean, he was okay with his job. And he took part in that as, as a part of his job. Now, here's what you need to know about John Newton. One day... One day, he got a glimpse of who God was. He got a glimpse of the perfect, holy God of the universe. And that's what made him, later on, write that word, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch. Because when he got a glimpse of who God was, how God was a perfect, holy God, he got a glimpse of himself. And, and now, here's what I want you to understand. He wasn't beating himself up. He just got a real glimpse of who the perfect God of the universe was and who he was. And he said, you know what? He kind of did a benchmark with himself. You know, he said, if this is God, this, where am I? Where am I? And he benchmarked himself and he said, man, compared to God, I am a wretch. I'm a person who's done horribly bad things. I think I've relayed this story before, but not long ago in my own life, I had a chance to do a little benchmarking of myself. And it wasn't in spiritual things like John Newton. I joined a gym here in the area, and uh, maybe I told you about this. Um, I see, back in college, I played racquetball. And I, and I love athletics. I, I love playing sports, played football. I, I've always loved sports. But racquetball was kind of something I did back in college, and, and I hadn't really done it in a long time. And I joined LA Fitness here in town, right? And, and they got racquetball courts. And I, and I invited some folks from the church, 
and I'm not going to tell you who you are, but I invited you to go with me to the gym, and I clean your clock. You know, I, I, I beat the stew out of the people here that I took the job. Billy, I love you. Uh, I, I beat the stew out of the people I went, you know, and, 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 and I thought I was really, really good. I got to tell you, I thought I was really good. And I would play left-handed, and I'd give them a chance, you know. And, and I thought, maybe I'm going pro. I thought I was really, I'd look at other people walk in there, and I'd watch them. I'd be on my machine. I'd be watching them. They didn't know I was watching. I was watching them. And I was thinking, I can take you. I can take you. Now, listen, I, I, I knew I was okay, but I thought I, had, I thought I had hit some type of, you know, moment in my life. Maybe I got to be a great athlete, you know, here in my 40s, you know. And then all of a sudden, one day, there's this older gentleman, Aswani, he couldn't have been 5'4", he must have been 70 years old, rotund, and, and he walks up and says, you want to play racquetball? Now, he doesn't look like a racquetball player. Matter of fact, he's got the little headband, he looks goofy. He's got the headband on, you know, he's got the, the things, what do you call the, 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 the wrist things on, and he says, you want to play? And I'm thinking to myself, are you kidding? You'll have a heart attack. If I ain't got nothing on you, I got speed, you know? The guy doesn't have breath. He doesn't have nothing. I said, well, I'm kind of, I didn't want to play. I'm kind of waiting on somebody, you know. And he said, well, I, I need somebody to play. I felt bad for the guy, right? I said, let's go ahead, you know. Six minutes later, he beat me 21 to zero. <laughs> he looked at me and said, good game. And I thought, well, maybe for you it was. He had me running all over the place. He was hitting that ball off the bottom of the wall. I mean, he tore me up. And I thought I was good. All of a sudden, I got, and so we're walking out. I'm going to go get my water. I'm sweating, and he's, he, has, he ain't even been to the, you know, it's been a piece of cake for him. I'm, I got to go get some water. And I said, how, how, tell me real quickly. I'm trying to, trying to figure out how good I am. Tell me real quickly, you know, I understand there are levels of racquetball players. He said, yeah, well, last year they held a tournament here, and I placed 10th at level C. And I'm thinking to myself, I wouldn't have told nobody that. I mean, that's 10th? You, you placed 10th at the level C? And he said, yeah, there's a B and there's an A, and then beyond that you can go pro and everything. And I'm thinking to myself, I just got beat 21-0 in six minutes by a person who got 10th in a level C, and I thought I was good. I'm not saying anything, but I'm looking at him thinking to myself, I must be horrible. You know what I'm talking about. I'm doing a real quick benchmark. I said, hey, here, 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 what would happen if a person who was like a B player played the best C player, and he said, oh, they get killed. They get slaughtered out there. And I said, well, what would happen if, with a person who like played A if they played the champion of the B bracket? He said, it might be close but they would clean their clock. And he said, you want to see somebody really get crushed? Watch a pro play an A player, and you will see somebody just get stomped like a bug. And I'm sitting there drinking my water thinking to myself, I stink at this game. I am horrible at this game. I thought I was good. And all of a sudden, I had a real quick benchmark for myself, and I realized, man, you know, earlier today, you know, 30 minutes ago, I thought I was a good racquetball player, and all of a sudden, I realized I'm nothing. Here, here's what happened to John Newton. John Newton had a benchmark in his life, and all of a sudden he got a glimpse of a holy and perfect God, and all of a sudden his mind was blown. Have you ever been there before where you just went, wait a minute, you know? Maybe you were reading Scripture. Maybe you were, maybe you were praying. Maybe you, were, maybe you heard a sermon. All of a sudden your eyes were open to the incredible perfection of God. Now, let me be a little bit more clear about that. By the way, I, I'm, I've got three questions for you today, and I want to real quickly throw the first question up on the screen because it's what I'm talking about right now. 
And the first question is this. Have you ever really done a benchmark of yourself against an absolute, perfect, holy God? And see, what John Newton did was he did a little benchmark with him and God, and he said, wait a minute, I'm nowhere close. And I imagine maybe in his life this is kind of how it happened. He, he probably thought to himself, what have I read about God? Oh, God is a, a loving, he loves perfectly, he loves unconditionally, who am I? And he thought to himself, I don't, I'm not even close to love. Not only that, sometimes I hate people. And then he read, God is a forgiving God. God forgives no matter what you've done. And he probably thought to himself, wait a minute, if this is God, where am I in that whole thing? And he probably thought to himself like you would think about yourself. You know what? Not only do I not forgive people sometimes, sometimes I'll hold grudges. Sometimes I don't want to forgive them. I mean, if this is God, <laughs> I'm like way down here. God is patient. How am I, you know? This is, and, and all of a sudden, when everything he understood and knew about God, he started benchmarking against himself, and he said, you know who I am? I'm a wretch. That's, how, that's the best word he knew to use for himself. I am a wretch. And when he benchmarked himself against an absolute, perfect, holy God, he said, if this is God, man, I am way, way, way off the mark. And here's my question for you. Have you ever benchmarked yourself in light of the absolute glorious brilliance of a perfect and holy God. Have you ever just said, God, that's you. Where do I rank in here? Now, you know, in order for you to do that, in order for you to benchmark yourself against God, you, you, it's got to be thoughtful. I mean, you've got to take time to think about it. It's got to be biblical. It's got to be about what the Bible says about God. But here's one of the things I want to tell you. One of the most liberating and freeing things I ever did, now it was hard, and it, and, it, and it is hard, I still do it to this day, is to benchmark yourself against God. I mean, because all of a sudden, when you look at it, you go, man, I got no hope. I got no hope. I'm, I'm ridiculously nothing compared to who he is. And then all of a sudden, you realize that you need something you can't provide for yourself, right? And, and it can be incredibly agonizing and can be incredibly terrifying to do this benchmarking thing I'm talking about, but it can also be one of the most liberating and freeing things you've ever done in your life. Here's an example of what it feels like. Have you ever told somebody a lie before? You, you know, you, you said something you shouldn't have said, and they walked away from you, and you, you told yourself, why did I lie about that? That didn't even matter, you know? And, and, the, and, and God in your, in your heart said, you need to go tell him right now. And you're like, I don't want to tell him I just lied, you know? The last thing you want to do is go tell him you just told a story, right? And yet you think to yourself, I'm not going to be able to live with myself. I, I'm not, I'm, lunch is not going to taste good today if I don't go tell. And then you just go on and do it. You just go over there and say, hey, can I tell you something? I don't know why, but what I just said was not true. And you tell them the truth and you say, I'm so sorry, I lied. I'm not alone there. Have, have, have you ever been there before? Everybody done that before? Yeah. In that moment, it's agonizing. It's terrifying. You're, you're not a, you, you are ashamed of it. You're not proud of the fact that you lied. But when you tell the truth, all of a sudden you feel free. You ever been there before? So what I'm saying is honesty beats deceit, deceit every time. And when we're honest with God about where we are, honesty will free you. And so the cool thing about that question, I don't know how it went away, the cool thing about that question is that when you benchmark yourself against a holy God, yes, it can be incredibly terrifying. I'm sure it was for John Newton. 
It is for any person who wants to kind of look at who God is versus they are. It can be agonizing and terrifying. It can be the most liberating. Here's what Newton said. You remember what Newton said? He called it amazing. When, when he had realized who he was, he called it amazing because he related it with grace. Grace. Amazing grace. Isn't that interesting? Amazing grace. Matter of fact, you might want to underline those words. Amazing. The first verse. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. John Newton said, this is amazing. He was, what he was saying was, man, this is, I never saw it this way before. Here's the second question I want to ask you today. And the second question is this. Have you ever beheld grace in all of its beauty? You see, what, what John Newton said was when he, when he benchmarked himself against God and he realized how, how, how crazily far away from he was from who God was, when he benchmarked himself with God and he said, you know what, the only way I can, I can receive life is through God's grace. It was amazing to him and he paralleled it. Listen, he paralleled it to something like scales falling off of his eyes. He says his eyes were opened and he beheld grace for the first time. Now, what you, how cool is that? John Newton was saying, I beheld grace for the first time in all of its beauty. Look, look with me, if you will, real quickly in, uh, in the first verse. He, in that second part of the first verse, he says, I once was lost, but now I am found was, underline that word right there, was blind. He says, I was blind to what grace was all about. And then all of a sudden, when I benchmarked myself with God, and I realized I was hopelessly lost if God didn't do something for me, he said, I, my, it's like scales fell off my eyes. And all of a sudden, I realized I had been blind to what grace was all about. Now, by the way, this is a very common thing for people to not be able to see and understand, really behold grace in all of its beauty. Now, so some of you in this room, you can relate to what I'm talking about right now because there was a portion of your life where you were blind to what grace was really all about. And there are a lot of people who live every day. They're blind. They've never beheld the beauty, all the beauty of what grace is all about. But here's the cool thing. You ready for this? It's Easter Sunday, all right? And so today I want to talk to you, and, and for somebody I'm just praying, if there's one person today that for the first time in your life you can behold grace and all of its beauty, today might be your day, okay? The next 15 or 30, 20, 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, I won't go 30, 15 or 20 minutes might be the most important 15, 20 minutes because all of a sudden scales could fall off your eyes and you could see grace in a way you've never beheld it in its beauty before. Maybe you've stood at Niagara Falls. Maybe you've stood at the Grand Canyon before. Have you ever stood at a beautiful place before and something inside of you just kind of, you gasp, you're kind of like, wow, you know? You ever been there before? See, if you've really ever beheld grace and all of its beauty, it's that moment in your life where you go, the scales kind of fall from your eyes and you see what God has done for us and you go, oh, what, really? I mean, it's beyond belief in that moment. And here's what I'm praying. I, I want to invite somebody in this room in the next few minutes, maybe for the first time, to behold grace in all of its beauty. Would you like to see it? Let me try to show you what grace looks like, all right? And I'm going to do it with an illustration. 
quick illustration. Let's just say it's tax time. Let's say you, you worked your job, you do your taxes, you go to the mailbox, you drop off your taxes in the mailbox, you stand back and you hope, and you say, boy, I hope I did them right. You know, I hope I did them right. And, and then a little bit later, you get a phone call, and, and long story short, you, get, you have to go to court because they, they say you've, uh, that you've had fraud with the IRS. You didn't mean to, but you had fraud with the IRS. You stand before a judge, and the judge says, here's the deal. I've looked at everything that's here, and you li- listens to your case, and at the end of your case, he says, okay, you've got to serve time. You didn't do the right thing. You didn't pay the right amount three years, you're going to serve in jail, three years. And the judge gives you three years, they walk you across the street, walk into the jail, open up the jail cell, and for the next three years of your life, you don't have freedom anymore. Now, you know what that's called? That's called justice. Justice. You didn't do the right thing, and so you, got to, you had to pay the price for that. And at the end of three years, you can walk, but during that three-year period of time, you're going to have to pay the price for what you didn't do that was right. Justice. You know what justice is? Quickly defined. Justice is simply this getting what precisely what you deserve and if you didn't do the right thing and you got put in jail for it you got justice all right now same illustration let's push it a little bit further you drop the thing in the in in the uh, mailbox you hope for the best and you get the telephone call and the irs says guess what tax fraud you go to the same court you look at the same judge same eyeballs he said he looks at your case he says you know what here's the deal I'm going to give you three years, but, he, but you serve the first two, and I'm going to let you go home to your family. I'm going to put an ankle bracelet on you for the third year. For the third year, you, just, you, just, you can be with your family. You do the first two years right, I'll, I'll let you do the third year at home. You know what that's called? That's called mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy is getting less than you deserve. And that judge has shown some mercy on you, all right? That's mercy. Now, what John Newton was writing about was something far greater than any of those two things I've just said. This is what grace looks like. Same, same, same illustration. You drop, the, you drop the taxes in the mailbox, you hope for the best, and you get that phone call, and you go before the court, and it's tax evasion or it's tax fraud. And the same judge looks at you, same judge, and he says, three years, three years. And that judge, instead of staying behind the bench, he actually walks with you to the jail cell. And right before you walk into the jail cell, he puts his arm on your shoulder and he says, you know what? I think the world of you, I think the world of you, if it's okay with you, what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to take your place. The judge walks in the jail cell, he pulls the door shut and you stand there looking at it, thinking to yourself, what just happened? Scales fall off your eyes and you go, wait a minute, I can go home to my family? What are you doing right now? What, what, what? Really? How? And you don't understand it. You know what grace is? Grace is getting a wonderful gift, receiving a wonderful gift that you do not deserve. That's what grace is. And you're sitting there looking at a judge, looking at him in the eyes, and he says, listen, I think the world of you. And you say, this doesn't, I don't, I don't get this. Why would you do this for me? And then he looks at you, and he says something that blows your mind. He says, hey, next three years, do something terrific. Go make me proud. Go make me proud. And you walk out of that jail, uh, that, that lobby of that jail, you walk out in the sunlight and you realize somebody has poured grace, a gift that you could not pay for, something terrific, something wonderfully amazing just happened to you and scales fell from your eyes and now you have seen beauty of grace of a wonderful gift given to you the question 
was, have you ever beheld grace in all of its beauty? And you know, I guess said a different way, have you ever had the scales fall off your eyes? Have you ever really been able to see life done to you that way before? And if you know why we're here this Easter, you know that it's not about a jail cell or tax fraud. You know what it's about. Instead of the guy walking and saying, listen, I'll take your place, the Messiah of the world walked to a cross. He bled a horrific death, and he took our place on the cross. He died on that cross for you and for me. And we stand there and go, why? What? Really? How? And scales can fall of our... And here's my question for you. Are you starting to see what I'm talking about, what grace is really all about? John Newton said, amazing. It's amazing because I'm a wretch. This is God. This is me. And he took my place? Really? How? Why? Why would he do that? And if you don't hear anything else I hear today, hear those words that God might be saying over you do today. I really think the world of you. I got one more question, but I got I to gotta go back to my hymn real quick. Can you go there with me? I, wanna, I just want to point out something. Look in the fourth verse. Look at the fourth verse. I want to get you to underline a word. And it's the fourth word of the fourth verse. You can go ahead and underline it. When we've been, what's that word? There. When we've been there, 10,000 years bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. What's the there? What's the there? Heaven. That's right, heaven. I mean, he didn't even have to say the word when he wrote the hymn, right? He said, when we've been there. And now here's the cool thing. Here's what's so special about the there on Easter Sunday with us, guys. Did you know that the there, the heaven piece of this whole song, right? The there, the power of the resurrection. God's word says that the God's resurrection power is at work in me and is at work in you. And that the very same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the grave will raise your mortal body. So here's the cool thing. If you trust Jesus with your life, that last breath, that last heartbeat, it will happen for every one of us in the room. And here's what the Bible says. At that moment, the same resurrection power that went through Jesus will move through your body and you will experience resurrection. And if you've trusted Jesus, then you're going to go to there. How about that? There. There. Now, what in the world is there? Here, here's my question for you. Uh, and, and, and it's very simple. Are you totally sure about there? Are you totally sure that you're going there? Okay? What a great question to ask at Easter. Are you totally sure that you're going there? Now, many people would say it is the height of presumption for you to say that you are sure that you are going to go to heaven. And I would say I completely agree with you if it's all dependent upon me. If it's all dependent upon what me and you do, then it absolutely is the height of presumption. But the Bible says it is not about what we did. Listen, to be very clear, if it's about Stephen getting himself to heaven, it ain't going to happen. I've done the math. 
I, I simply have done the math. I cannot fly straight enough. I cannot make up the ground, the, the, the borrowed time. I have blown it so many times. It's ridiculous. I am dead, period. I'm dead if it's all about me, okay? But if it's about God's grace, if it's about the gift of God, then it is not the height of presumption because it's about Him. How cool is that, right? So I've got to read a scripture for you. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Now I've got to come down on the front row here because I'm about to preach to myself, okay? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through what? Through faith. And this is not from you. Now, if it's about you, it is not going to happen. If it's about you, you are dead in your trespasses. But it's not about you. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from you. It is the, say that word out loud, gift of God. See, that's grace. What is grace? Grace is a wonderful gift that we receive that we did not deserve. That's what grace is. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And Paul goes ahead and he says it this way. He says, after that, is that, is that verse 9 as well? For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. See, he saved us. And then he looked at us and said, basically, I think the world of you. This is my gift. My gift. Go do something great with your life. Make me proud. Guys, <laughs> when it comes to who God is, if it's about me and you, it ain't going to fly. But it's not about me and you. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 said that. It's not from ourselves. It is the gift of God. You got your uh, little amazing grace thing here? Go with me to one more word real quickly. Second verse, second verse, he says this. And we're going to underline the last word. He says, "'Twas grace." That taught my heart to fear. And grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear. The hour I first. What's that word? Believed. You see our faith and our salvation. You want to be sure of there. The only way you can be sure of there. Is when you believe that God gave a gift to you. A wonderful gift. That you didn't deserve. And you receive that gift unto yourself. It's about believing. Old John Newton, John Newton had it right. He said, this is amazing. This blows my mind. Really? He believed that God would give him that kind of gift. Here's what you need to understand. It wasn't the slave trade that brought him to that understanding. It wasn't that. It was when he got a little bit older, he looked back over his life, and he realized when he looked at the Scriptures, and he looked at who God said God was, it was when he got to that place in his life that he said, you know what, I need help. I cannot save myself. And John Newton raised up the white surrender flag that day in his life, and he gave the Lord his life. He said, you know what, I, I, I can't do this on my own. I, if I'm going to get there, the there has got to come from him, not from me. Hey, just a couple of things I want to ask you to do. A little bit of uh, final things with me. Would you do this for me? And, um, and then we're going to sing this great song, okay? So if you have your pen, I want to get you to do a few things. Um, 
So the first thing I want to invite you to do is write. Have you noticed that there's a little black line on the top right of that, that little sheet there? Um, if you have that, see a little top line? I want to invite you to write your full name up there on that line. So for me, that would be Stephen Timothy Usry, you know? Uh, and I don't really want people to always call me by my full name, but you can write that in there. Write that right down the very top of that line. Write your full name on the very top right of that song. As a matter of fact, after you write your name, maybe over next to John Newton's name, you might go over there and write something for me over there. And just write the year. Just write uh, dash 1773. That was the year John Newton wrote this song. He had given his life to Jesus Christ. And the question that I want to ask you as, as you're thinking about, about this whole thing is, is I, want you to, I want you to think about who you are. Let me say that a little differently. I want, I want to invite you for a minute to kind of benchmark yourself against the holy God. Your name is right up in the right, and John Newton's name is right up in the left. And John Newton said of him that he was a wretch. Who are you? I want you to think about that for a minute. See, most of us don't wake up in the morning and think of ourselves as a wretch. We just don't, you know. You know, some of us stand in the mirror, I'm a beautiful person, you know. That's, that's the way we think of ourselves, and there's nothing wrong with that, okay. But the deal is, and when we benchmark ourselves with God, we've got to ask ourselves, who are we? And since I ask you to put your name up there right next to John Newton, my question is, who are you? Are you a wretch? Now, if I'd have told you to write a wretch's name up there in the top right-hand right -hand corner, you'd have, you might have written your neighbor, you know. I'm going to write them now, not my name over this, right? But I told you to write your name up there in the top right of that hymn. Because I pray that when you, like me, when you look at your life, you go, you know what? If this is the God who loves perfectly, if this is the God who forgives perfectly, if this is God who never gives up, compared with me, if this is God who's long-suffering and patient, if this is the God who, who is forever faithful, and this is me, I'm a wretch. My life, I've messed up. I'm going to mess up again. I'm far, far, far from who God is. And then maybe, maybe that's why your name would be there, because you'd say, I'm not vastly different from John Newton. I need amazing grace, too. And I'll just, let, me, let me take you back to a word. I'll just take you back to the word wretch. Let me take you back to the word blind. Here's the second thing I want you to think about. I want you to think about that word blind, and I want to ask you the question, can you see grace in all of its beauty this Easter Sunday of 2015? And maybe a better question is, listen, maybe a better question is, do you know the date where the scales fell off your eyes and you beheld the beauty of grace in all of its brilliance for the very first time? If you know that date, I just want to get you to be interactive with me real quickly. If you know that date, just like I asked you to write up there 1773 for John Newton, I want to invite you with your pen to your, just right next to your name. Why don't you write that date? Why don't you write that date? If you know that date, for you it might have been, you know, June 4th, 1970. You can just write that date right next to your name. That was the date that you were blind and then you could see. Now, if you don't know the date, that's okay. That's me, by the way. I don't know my date. I know my era, okay? I know it was, for me it was the summer and I can name the year, okay? So for you, I wonder if it was the fall or the autumn or maybe you could name the place. If you know the place where you were, when the scales fell off your eyes and you could finally see, maybe you could just write the era down. Maybe you'd say, you know, it was summer of 84.
before, or it was, it was the winter, or it was Christmas Eve, you know. I was talking with Jose, the guy who bangs on these bongos. It was Good Friday, you know. Good Friday, he gave his life. I wonder if you just write the era down real quickly, okay? And before we leave this one, somebody in this place, I'm just wondering, maybe you would say of yourself, there's never been a day before today that you actually have seen grace in the way that you've seen it today. And that the beauty of grace, you're seeing it really for the first time today, and scales are falling off your eyes as you understand the difference between justice and mercy, and then this thing that's called grace, a wonderful gift that you received that you did not deserve. Jesus giving you his life. And if that's you, and if you would say, you know what, there's never been a day before today that I could, I could understand as clearly as I do today, then why don't you write next to your name, why don't you just write today? Easter 2015. You know, you can write that down right there. Today, I've experienced amazing grace. You just write it down right next to your name there. By the way, our children are coming in because we're about to sing together, and we're going to decorate this cross with flowers. So mom and dads, as our children are coming, and maybe you could wave them down. They're going to be coming in from doors all over the place, okay? Hey, one more thing, okay? I, I talked about that word wretch. I talked about that word blind. Can I take you to one more word real quickly? I want to take you to one more word, and that word is the word there, all right? Go to that word. Look at that word. It says on that fourth verse, when we've been there, okay? Now, I want you to think about that for a minute, there. And my question is, are you totally sure that if you died today, you'd go to there, if you are, then hey, with your pen, right underneath that word there, would you just write the word yes with an exclamation point next to it? And you can say, when we've been there, and you can say, yes, that's my destiny. I know that for me. You know, guys, um, and, and I, I promise we really are about to sing this song, okay? Matter of fact, if you're one of our vocalists or instrumentalists, you can come on. Come on, you can come on up. Hey, I just want to real quickly... Uh, underscore a couple of things about this hymn that we've been talking about today. For some of us in this place, if you've been a Christ follower for a really long time, or maybe just, you know, a, a good little run here, you know, as I've been talking today, as I've been talking, you've been like, yes, 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 yes. Thank you, God, for amazing grace. And, and it's been kind of like, as I've been talking, the Holy Spirit's been reminding you of what it's like to be a person who's tasted and received the wonderful gift of God. And I give God glory for that. But I want to remind you of something, okay? You know what that means, right? That means if you've experienced grace, and if your eyes have been opened and the scales have fallen from your eyes, you know what it means about you, right? It means that you, above all the rest of the people in the world, are supposed to live like God's grace, okay? That means... That you're supposed to be one of the most forgiving people on the planet because God's forgiven you. It means that you're supposed to love without conditions. And that's hard to do, I know. But God loved you that way, and you're supposed to love the world that way, right? So I just want to remind you, if you gave your life to Jesus maybe a, you know, a couple of months ago or a couple of years ago or many years ago, I want to remind you, if you've tasted of grace, your job is to give grace away. Give grace to your family. Give grace to your friends. Give grace to your boss. Give grace and tell people about grace. 
But here's the other thing. Maybe if today you've been grabbed for the first time by grace, if today you've seen grace in a way you never have, then on this Easter Sunday, as we sing this song, it can be your new testimony, right? <laughs> like John Newton who said, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch, bitch market, right? Like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but the scales fell off my eyes, and now I see. And you can stand up and sing today if you believe. You can stand up to sing today. You can say, when we've been there, and you can have a new home. You can have a new assurance of a new home, not based on you, but based on who God is. You can say, when we've been, there's my home. I know I'm going to be there. 10,000 years bright shining as the sun. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Hey, we're going to sing together. Before we do that, i got to pray. Hallelujah, Mariana. Hey, bow your heads with me. Bow your heads with me and just uh, give, your, give your neighbor space there for a minute. Let them have their own space. Just real quickly, I just want to invite you to say a prayer to God. Just say a prayer of openness to God. God, I, I'm open to you today. I'm open to let your grace come and wash me clean. I need to be washed clean once again. Would you just come and flood me today, Jesus? Would you wash away all my sin, not part of my sin? Would you wash away all my sin? Would you give me a new start and a clean slate today, Jesus? Today I want to trust you. For some of us here, that may, you might be the first time you've ever prayed that prayer, but you can pray that prayer today. Today I want to trust you with my life. I want to trust you with my past and my present, my tomorrows. I want to give you my dreams and my future and my, my aspired career or my, my retirement. I want to give you who I am today. I trust you. And I ask you, oh God, let the anthem of my life be grace. Grace. I receive the gift of eternal life for myself, God. Not because I deserve it. Not because of anything I've done for me. But because of who you are, Jesus. What you did for me. God, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you that you're so perfect. And I thank you that, God, you took the punishment for us. You said to us, I think the world of you. Why did you do that? Why did you care like that for us? I know it's just who you are. But God, we will forever try to return that love, that gracious love, that compassionate love, that forgiving love. We will return that all back to you, God, with thankful hearts today. We love you, Jesus. And as we sing in the next few minutes, Lord, let the anthem of this song be our testimony. Let it fill us up, Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.